0: There were two prayers that I, the earliest prayers that I remember praying at home, memorized prayers. One started, well, one was, God is great, God is good, and we thank him for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember learning that as a child. Probably you did too. The other prayer that I remember praying as a child in in very early years is, now I lay me down to sleep. Did you pray that prayer? Probably most of you did. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That prayer was a little bit scary to me, Uh, frankly, when I was a child. I didn't like the idea and didn't understand really why a child would need to pray something about dying because that doesn't happen to children, right? Well, as we get older, maybe that prayer becomes a little more applicable to our lives but i want us to ask two questions tonight and they have to do with that prayer that uh, i prayed as a child and you prayed as a child that prayer now i lay me down to sleep i pray the lord my soul to keep if i should die before i wake and what i want you to do is answer that question what if you should die before you wake That's one question I want to answer tonight. I want you to answer as we talk about some things and reflect on some scripture. I want you to be thinking about that question. What if I should die before I wake tomorrow morning? The second question I think can be just as, well, maybe even more relevant uh, because it's probably going to be more applicable. But the second question is this, what if I should wake before I die? You know, we don't say that prayer. We say, God, in the eventuality that I die tonight, please take my soul, take care of me. It's a good prayer. But when's the last time you prayed, God, if I wake up tomorrow and if I don't die before I wake, what am I going to do with my tomorrow? So I want us to ask those two questions tonight and see if we can come up with a few answers. First of all, let's consider the first one. If You should die before you wake. Where will you spend eternity? Now, I know that's kind of a a misstatement. You don't spend eternity. I I know people make a thing out of that, and that's what I said, but uh, you know what I mean by that. Where are you going to be throughout all eternity? If when you go home tonight and you go to bed and before you ever wake up, the Lord comes again, or you die in your sleep. Where are you going to be for eternity? I don't know that we like to think or contemplate too much about death, and, and we, we like to put those thoughts out of our mind, especially as we get a little older. We try to put those thoughts out of our mind, maybe even more, but maybe there's more reason to put them in the front of our mind as we get a little bit older. I, I want you to understand that every day, people just like you and just like me don't wake up in the morning. I can tell you of stories, and and I'll share a few things with you just to remind you that we have no guarantees on our life. I don't know if you had ever heard if Brother B.C. Carr had ever been on this lecture program before in the past, but... um, I remember one time in, in Virginia attending a lectureship that Brother Carr was speaking on. He said, this happened to me one Sunday night. I was driving home from church after services, and I came up on a car wreck. And as I approached the car, there there weren't anybody, nobody was there yet. And I approached the car, and I saw it was one of the teenage, upper teenage children from church. And he was in a bad Bad way. And he was talking to them, and the ambulance folks came and everybody, and he was trying to keep him calm and do what he could for him. But he said, The thing that will haunt me about that ordeal is that that boy could only say this over and over and over again Please don't let me die. I'm not a Christian. Please don't let me die. I'm not a Christian. As the ambulance took him to the hospital, he died en route to the hospital. There's a young man, apparently, who knew what he needed to do to be saved, had put it off, too busy with other things, didn't seem too relevant to him at the time in his life. I'm sure he had plans to do it. He apparently knew what he should do because of the things that he was saying as he was dying, but he just put it off, and he put it off too long. That happens to people. People can know what they need to do, and through delay and procrastination and misplaced priorities, they make the greatest mistake of their life. I know there are people right now that we have been praying for for some time, and maybe you have prayed for in other times people just for God to give them more time, just to give them a chance Those prayers are the kind of prayers we should be praying for the lost. And to to be the object, maybe, of those prayers, to know that somebody's praying for me, your mother, your father, your husband, your wife, uh, your friends, your family, they're praying for you to do the right thing. And maybe in God's providence, which we can't see for certain, but certainly God moves in the affairs of men. And he grants those things that are good and right and helpful. Maybe we have been spared to live another day, just so that I can be saved. The Bible tells us that God desires in Second Peter chapter three and verse nine, the Lord doesn't want anybody to perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's not his desire to send anybody to hell. He wants us to change. And so, those prayers where we plead with God and make intercession for others and say, just give him more time. Maybe those prayers have been prayed for you. I, I remember several years ago I was preaching. A woman came to me before services. It, it too was a Sunday night. And she was so excited. She said, I want you to know my husband is with me tonight. He has never come to church with me. I've tried for years to get him to come to church, and he has never done it, and he's here tonight. And of all things, my sermon for that night is, What Must I Do to be Saved? I mean, you would think uh, maybe God's hand of providence is involved here. I I don't know, but uh, I'm sure glad that was the sermon that I had prepared for him that night. And I watched him that whole night. I, I watched, he listened attentively the whole time I preached. And as we sang the invitation song, I was hopeful that he would respond, but he didn't. Went to bed and about one o'clock. I got a call from that lady and she said, uh, come to my house. My husband has just died. And... Um, You know, as I drove to her house, I thought, you know, this was, he had, it was as if God had given him one last chance, and he said no, and he died outside of Christ. Those kind of situations can be repeated over and over again, and they tug at our hearts, and they're emotional, but it doesn't change the truth. The fact that it's somebody that we love or somebody that has been loved and the fact that God loves their soul and wants them to be saved doesn't change what God has said on the matter. In fact, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20. In Revelation chapter 20, there is this great white throne judgment, as it is called. It's when all the men, women, children... All people will stand before the judgment seat of Christ at the end. And John says, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. Death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, which is a second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You know, cities had roles. The book of life, you know, that, that expression. There are numerous... Places in the, in the Bible, a couple other places in the Bible to talk about that book of life. You would go into a city and they would have a, a roll, a, um, a census of who lived in that community, who belonged there. God has His book. And those who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, their names are written in it. And if your name isn't in the book, there's no bartering at this time, you're excluded. And so the time to take care of your situation is now. If you're not in a saved relationship, if you should die before you wake, will the Lord take your soul? Is your name written in the book of life? There's nothing you can do to change, God, ch- change God's mind. I mean, he said, this is the way it is. It's the way it's going to be. You've got to be in this book. I've given my son. He's died for you. And if you treat that sacrifice as though it's nothing really too big, you walk on it, you trample it underfoot, you insult the spirit of my grace, there's nothing but a fearful expectation of judgment. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39, you, you remember he says, What shall separate us from the love of God? Uh, height, depth, you know, he goes through all these things shall Persecution, you know, he lists a number of things. What can separate us from the love of God? And that separation, I think, is love on our part toward God because, or, or his part toward us. There are things that can separate me from loving God. It happens all the time. You see it in people. People who were once faithful and they turn and they walk away from God. They've, they've chosen something other than him. Something separated them from their love to God. But nothing can separate us from God's love for us. He'll love us. And and if you lose your soul, it's not because God moved, it's because you moved. You didn't respond to His love. He made every gesture and paved the way for your salvation, and you just failed to respond. If you should die before you wake, what then? The book of Hebrews talks about in Hebrews chapter two two and verse ten how that God is the captain of our soul uh, and our salvation. First John chapter one and verse seven says that there is um there's forgiveness if we walk in the light as he is in the light. And we have chapter two, verse one, a, a propitiation who uh an advocate who will plead our case before God. If you're not in Christ, you need to get right. If you are in Christ and you haven't been living right, I want you to consider the brevity of life. Nobody has a guarantee about how long you have. I've, I can stand here tonight and I can tell you story after story after story of people who waited too long, who intended, who stood at the door and met me at the back doors of auditoriums and said, one of these days... And they never have that day. If you should die before you wake, where will you spend eternity? Answer that question tonight. But I want to go beyond that and I want to ask another question. If you should wake before you die, what then? What are you going to do with your life if you wake up tomorrow morning and it's bright early Monday and God has granted you more time to live, what are you going to do with that time? Well, well, I would suggest that you do good. When God gives you time, when he gives you life, when he grants that to you, use it and use it wisely. The Bible tells us, Paul tells us to redeem the times for the day is, days are evil. And, and you can't, the, the word redeem means to buy back. You can't buy back time, but you can buy it up. You can make the best use of it. And that's what the Apostle Paul's talking about in that passage. And, in, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says of Jesus that he went about doing good. If somebody could just summarize your life like that. As a child of God, you're, you're, you're a Christian, and when they look at your life, they say, wow, that person just, they just went around doing good. Everything they did, they, they were doing good. What, what better thing can be said of you? Because that is walking in the footsteps of your master. In Titus chapter 2, well, the book of Titus has a lot to say about good works. Now, there are a lot of people today who say, you know, they don't want to really talk about works that much because they think there's some kind of antagonism between works and grace, and that's not the case at all. In fact, Titus, listen to what he says, and if you have your Bible, you might want to just flip there and look and mark, but Titus 2 and verse 7 tells us that we are to be a pattern for good works be a pattern of it. That's something that other people can follow. We're to be a pattern of good works. If you move on down to Titus 2 and verse 14, it says that we're to be zealous of good works. It's something we really want to do. And then when you get to chapter 3 of the book of Titus, in verse 8 and verse 14, he says twice that we are to maintain good works. So here in this book, we're told to be a pattern of good works, We're to be zealous for it, and we're to maintain it. Does it sound like God wants us to be doing good with the time that we have? Surely He does. In Mark 9 and verse 41, the disciples came to Jesus. They were discussing uh, a number of things. But one of the things that was discussed was, um, well, they had told a man to stop. He was serving, working in in the name of Jesus. He was a disciple, but he just wasn't one of the twelve. He was a follower of Jesus, but he wasn't one of their group. And so John, maybe bragging a little, said, Lord, hey, we've got your back. We saw this man out there, and he was doing great things in your name, and we forbade him because he wasn't one of us. It doesn't say he wasn't a follower of Jesus. He wasn't one of the 12, one of that elite group that Jesus hand-selected. And Jesus rebuked him and said, listen, you know, if a man is doing good in my name, don't stop him. And furthermore, he said, if you give a cup of water in my name, you will in no wise lose your reward. If we should wake before we die, let's set out to do good. Let's make it our life's goal to do good. And not only just to do good, but to do good regardless. Sometimes the good that I do is contingent on the way you react. If you don't treat me with the kind of respect, um, if you don't show the proper appreciation, I'll never do it again. If you don't say enough thank yous, you can find somebody else to do it next time. We sometimes have our, our good contingent on how our good is received, and that shouldn't be a part of the equation. We need to, to, if I wake before I die, I need to do good regardless. And the regardless is because I am a disciple of Jesus. If Jesus would have only done good for those who loved him, how many of us would have a chance? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, alienated, weak, without power, Jesus died for us. And as you go through that Sermon on the Mount, it talks about the love of Christ and the righteousness that is in Christ. And and he said, if your righteousness doesn't exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you don't stand a chance. The Pharisees do good to those who like them. We've got to do better than that. We have to do good for all men. God causes it to rain on the just as well as the unjust. We're trying to be godly and godlike, and so we need to learn to do good regardless, just because it's good. So there you have two questions tonight that I want to leave you with, and I want you, as we sing a song, not because we're tradition-bound, it's an exhortation. Listen to the words of this song. We're encouraging, and the reason the church is singing is that we're trying to encourage, we're speaking to one another, saying, if you need to get right, get right. That's what this song is all about. And as we sing this song of encouragement, I want you to consider those two questions. If I should die before I wake, what will happen to me? Where will I be? If you don't like the answer, you can fix it right here tonight. Nobody should leave here with that concern and worry. What if I die tonight? Listen, if you have worries and insecurities about that, get that taken care of by obedience to the gospel of Christ. We'll assist you in your obedience. If you need the prayers of your brethren, we'll pray with you. But get right with God. Don't jeopardize your eternity for whatever it is that's causing you to delay. And the second question is this. If you should wake before you die, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? What are you going to do with your Monday and the rest of the week? I hope you'll resolve to do good because that's what Jesus needs. He needs hands and lips and feet to minister to and to take the gospel of Christ to people, he's not here anymore to do it. But he has a point of contact with people in the world today, and that's the church. And if we won't speak for Jesus, and if we won't use our hands to minister, and if we won't let our feet take us to where people are, then of what value are we to Christ? If I should wake before I die, I want to be found doing good. If you need to respond to the invitation tonight, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.